Well, good morning, Ascent. Bill Stevens here. I'm one of the pastors here at Ascent. So glad that you guys are here today. We get to share this together. All of you that are online, that are, that are, that are still, you're, you're there and you're going, gosh, at some point I'm going to come in here. Maybe you're waiting for a vaccine or you're waiting just for that right time. I, I just want to say that we hear you, we love you, and we know there's going to be the perfect time. It'll be the right time that you'll feel like, gosh, I want to just check it out. I want to try what it's like in person. I know that getting back together in a group of people in a room is a, is, is a muscle that we haven't, um, we haven't been exercising in a long time. And so, uh, so I know there'll be a day. You might want to try it next week, uh, just because it's the week before Easter, and, and you might be thinking about coming at Easter, and you might want to feel it out and see what it's like in here, uh, separated between parties and all of that. Uh, so, so just know that we love you, and we know that you, there's, it's a lot of patience that it takes to, to keep doing, to watching it on the screen, and we know that the Lord meets us. He meets us together uh, in the middle of, the, of, of talking through the screen to you, so I love it that you get to worship with us today, and all of you in the room who get to worship. It is a great Sunday to worship. Come on, yesterday the Buffs won, yesterday, yesterday morning. More important than that, the Gonzaga Bulldogs won last night, and we got to be looking out for our Catholic brothers and sisters that, that go to Gonzaga, and we, it, that's a school that's in a, it's a tiny little school in, in eastern Washington in Spokane. It happens to be the same city that I grew up in. It happens to be that my dad is a Gonzaga Bull pup that was in high school, and my mom is a Gonzaga Bulldog, and I've been a Gonzaga fan since John Stockton was a college student, and so that's a long time time ago. Here's what we're going to do as a church. We're going to commit to praying for the Bulldogs this year, okay? Even if it ends up being the Buffs and the Bulldogs. We're praying for the Bulldogs this year, just looking out for our Catholic friends, okay? That's why we're doing it. You guys, before I get going and what I want to talk about today, I do want to uh, tell you a little bit of what happened this last weekend. And it comes back, it goes all the way back to our missions team. We've got this team of people, just people just from our congregation that, that hold our feet to the fire and make sure that we are looking out for every single need that we see in our community. They're the ones that will meet once a month and then they'll talk about how are we going to meet the needs of the community. And so like this last month for Black History Month, when we collected all of those books to give more diversity in our libraries and our public schools, I mean, we, you guys... You guys did a lot of, you gave a ton of books, and that team was the one that got that going. You can be a part of that team anytime you want to. But one of the people, one of the people on that team came up with an idea a couple of years ago that they said, what if we bought a snowblower for our church, and, and when the church didn't need it, we could have people come and pick it up and put it in the back of a truck, if they could borrow a truck, and bring it home and just snowblow, plow the neighborhood sidewalks when the snow would come. What if we just blessed neighborhoods by, by taking care of all that shoveling? Well, that came up a couple of years ago, and there was only one reason why it didn't happen, and I was the reason. It's because I'd never really, I didn't get around to buying the snowblower. It was totally my fault. Great idea. It didn't happen because of me. Well, I finally ended up getting this snowblower for the church this, this year, but we haven't had any snow. So last Sunday, we finally get dumped on, 30 inches of snow, and I thought, I'm going to do it. Finally, I'm going to be the first of our snow angels. So I went out, and I got the snowblower, and I brought it home, and I'm telling you guys, we got the state-of-the-art snowblower. Check this out. Look at this. Look at this. We got, it's lights. Those are lights on the snowblower, okay? We got lights on the snowblower. It was blowing those 30 inches of snow like it was nothing. 
I mean, I was going through it. We did like 30 or 40 houses, driveways and sidewalks. It was awesome. The more we did it in the day, and then at 9 o'clock at night, I was back out there doing it. It was so fun. Now, I don't tell you that so that you can just uh, go, gosh, that guy, he's such a great servant. I, I kind of tell you that. I want you to know I'm a great servant, all right? No, I don't tell you for that reason. I tell you that, that we did this because, one, I want you to know it's available. If you guys want to do it, it might snow tonight. If you want to come by tomorrow and pick it up, you can do that. It's for you. Just go rent some a ramp from, the, from Home Depot, get a truck, and get it. We'll even reimburse you for the ramp. And just, go, and just go, go snow blow your whole neighborhood, okay? Now, you can't just get it and go do your own driveway and bring it back, okay? You, if it dumps another 30 inches tonight, just don't do your drive. The whole purpose is that we're doing a whole neighborhood because we're going to bless the neighborhoods, all right? The other reason why I, want, why I bring it up is, it, is that after Easter, we're, we're finishing our series that we've been on in Acts, and then it's Easter, and after Easter, we're starting a new series, and that new series is called Make It Matter. It's one that we did years and years ago. We loved it because it's one where, where we, all the things that we learn in here, we want to go make it matter in our community, in our, in our work, in our school, in, 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 uh, in all the different places that we, that we have experiences with other people, we want to make it matter. And I just started thinking about that while I was plowing. I'm going, man, I'm so fired up about talking through making it matter in our neighborhood. I can't wait for us to do that together. That series is coming up after Easter, so get ready for that one as well, okay? All right, well, let's get into what we're talking about today. Here's what I want you guys to do right off the bat. I want you to think about the last time you were in an interview, okay, for a job. The last time you had to get dressed up and go into an interview for a job. Now, some of you guys, you haven't been interviewed for 50 years for a job. Others of you, you, got, you have had 50 interviews in the last year for a job. So, uh, so some of you, this is easier to think about than others. But think about getting ready and going into, the, into that place and sitting in that room waiting for everyone to come in. And finally, everyone's in there. The interview starts. You're trying hard to answer every question as, as best as you can to get the job. And then finally, they ask that question that is meant to derail you. They ask the question, so what's your greatest weakness? And now you have to answer that one. What's my greatest weakness? Well, what, what are they asking? Are they wanting me to be honest with this answer? Or what am I supposed to answer? And so those of you that have been prepared, you guys know that when you that ask that question, what's your greatest weakness? You turn it into, you turn, you, you share a strength that you call a weakness. Oh, I'm a perfectionist. And I know that that gets in the way sometimes because you don't want me to have, be perfect in the way I'd run my, do this job. You know, I'm a perfectionist. So yeah, see that weakness? You know, or, or it's, or it's, uh, you know, I, I'm just too passionate. I'm so driven. I don't even think about anything else. You give me a project, I'm going to be thinking about that project from start to finish all the way through. How bad would that be? I'm sorry. It's a weakness of mine. You know, or, or, I'm, or I'm just such a hard worker. I never take breaks. I just keep working. I don't know how to take a break. I'll never take a break in this job. Do you see that weakness? You know, we'll do that kind of thing in an interview. We'll, we'll just kind of make it uh, a positive and we'll kind of couch it as a weakness. But what if, just think about this, what if we were actually honest? What if you, the, guy, the, the person asks you the question, what's your greatest weakness? And you say, do you really want to know my greatest, my greatest weakness that I have in my life right now? 
Do you really want to know that? Do you want to know that, that I go to McDonald's every day? Do you want to know that? My greatest weakness? You know, what if we answered it that way? What if, we, what if when they said, what's your greatest weakness? And our response was, well, um, I tend to sabotage myself. Anytime I get close to success, I'll sabotage myself right before I get to that success. What if, what if we say that, yeah, when in my dieting, I'll try to drop 15 pounds and at 13 pounds, I'll just start eating a bunch because I got close. So as soon as I get close to finishing the project you give me, I'm going to quit on it. I'm going to quit on it because I, I just tend to do that. It's a weakness of mine. What if we said that? Is that going to affect my job? What if, what if we said, what if we said, you know, they've been asking about team and team building and how much you guys, how well do you work as a team? What if in the weakness question, your answer was, well, I, I tend to not root for people. I, in fact, I root against people. Even people I really like, I root against them because I'm so afraid of my own failure that if they succeed, that'll make me look more like a failure. And so I'm going to root that they will fail so that I look a little bit better. What if we shared that? They say, um, yeah, yeah, that's great. You're going to be a great team member. You're going to be rooting against everybody. What if you, what if you shared that, that my greatest weakness in, in, in the jobs in my past is that if I get multiple jobs to do, multiple assignments, if I get those assignments, and, and especially if you don't give me direction on those assignments, I will tend to, to be paralyzed to know what to do next, and so I don't do anything. In fact, I've gotten really good at hiding, and I've gotten really, I could, I could go an entire month and not do anything in my job, but I've gotten good at hiding that so you will never know. Can you imagine if we said that to somebody? You'll never know. You won't even know it's a weakness of mine because I'm really good at hiding it, and so, but I won't get anything done because there was just too much that you gave me. If we were honest with our weaknesses, would we ever get anywhere? So here's what we do. We hide our weakness. We say, man, I'm gonna do, I'm, no one's going to know about my weakness. And so that gets buried deep down. And so then we feel weaker. We're hiding our weakness, and we don't know where to go. And it gnaws at you. It grates at you. It's nagging the weaknesses that we have, and we don't know where to go with them. Today, you guys, I want to talk about what the Lord speaks to us, how the Lord speaks to us about our weaknesses and how the more honest we can be with God in our weakness, the stronger actually we can grow from it. We can actually be strong in the midst of those weaknesses. That's what I want to talk about today. Let's pray and we'll get into it. Father, I pray that you would bless us today. Bless this, this, this what we want to talk about. God, this, we're gonna, it's going to take honesty. I gotta, we got to be honest with ourselves. We got to dig up the things that we're really good at burying we got to look at our weaknesses, and God, I want, to, I, want to, I want each one of us to be able to claim the promises that you give us in those weaknesses. So I pray, Lord, that you would, you would help us to be open enough to hear your unbelievably grace-filled words that speak in the heart of that weakness. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, well, the reason why I'm talking about this today is that we have been in this series on Acts, okay? Our whole, part of our goal in doing this entire series is we wanted this book to be more approachable for you guys. Some of you, you're, you love this book and you read it and you know exactly where to go, but others of you, you will take this book and you will go, well, you'll, you'll, you'll just go, I have no idea even where to start. 
And so what we have wanted to do over these last six weeks or so through all of Acts is we've gone, man, I want you guys to be able to to know this a little bit more and and be able to to go, okay, I get it where I'm at finally. I'm not just feeling like I'm entering into the 12th chapter of the fourth book of Harry Potter, but I'm actually knowing where I'm going with this. We we wanted you guys to be able to say, okay, I get it that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those were the four men that set out to write about the life of Jesus. And I get it that Luke kept going and started writing in Acts. And in Acts, he's he's writing about the introduction of the Holy Spirit. And he's writing about the, the disciples starting the early church. And he's writing about Paul planting all of these churches. And that we're starting to get the, put those pieces together for some of you. And then finally, that Paul, once he started establishing all these early churches, wrote back to him. And when he wrote back to him, he wrote these letters back to him. And that's where we get Ephesians and Colossians and Philippians and Romans and all these letters that you see in the back part of the New Testament. Those are all letters of encouragement or correction or more about who Jesus is that's speaking to those churches that Paul was establishing that came from the Holy Spirit, that came from Jesus in his life and his death and his resurrection. So that's, that we want you to be able to navigate that a little bit more so that, so that you're not paralyzed by even looking into this word. And maybe for some of you, that might make you get a Bible and you might want to open it up and start to learn it yourself. But some of you, even if you don't, the hope would be that when we're standing up here and we're reading from Philippians chapter 3, you'll go, hey, I, I know a little bit more about that. That's Philippi. That's a letter that Paul wrote back to those people. And it was when he was establishing that church. So, so we hope that you're getting a little, a little bit more. That's why we brought out the maps and wanted to show you where present-day Syria and present-day Turkey and present-day Greece and that that's where Paul was traveling because the more we know about those things, the easier it is to start entering into this book. It can be complicated, but it can also be navigated. And we want you guys to be able to navigate this book, okay? The other thing that we, that we have loved about this series has been that it has brought up so much real life stuff. When Paul went out to these places, man, he was hit with ship, a shipwreck. He was, he was beaten. He was thrown into jail. He was chased out of town. He was mocked. All of those things, a lot of oppressive stuff from the outside. Paul was getting all of that. And it's important for us to see that because look, we're in the middle of a pandemic. All of us are a little bit less than healthy and we need something that's gonna speak right to the heart of of what we have felt, the oppression that we have felt. And if you believe that this book was written by some monk in a monastery that is void of reality, not that all monks in monastery are void of reality, but if you believe that this book was written by something that doesn't apply to your life, then you'll never go to it. But if you're sitting there reading Paul and you're reading the words and the promises of God and you're going, and he was in the heart of it when he was writing this stuff, he was in prison, he was just beaten, he was going through it, then it speaks even more to our life. And we love that about what we've been talking about in Acts. In fact, I'm into Acts 26, 27, and 28 now. And in these chapters, he's trying to get to Rome. And he's going through it even more, the more of the oppression, more of that stuff from the outside. And I thought, man, this is just speaking to us even more in the heart of what's going on in this pandemic for us, okay? Now listen, before we go on to Rome, I decided, you know what, why don't we have Mo, Maurice will go on to Rome next week, and and, and this week what I want to do is want to slow us down for a second because he says one more thing in Corinthians in the second letter to the people in Corinth that speaks to something else that's happening. While this oppressive stuff is happening on the outside, something's happened on the inside. 
While all this stuff is pressing out on the outside, it's exposing in him, and he knows it, some weakness on the inside. And I love that because every one of us also have weakness. And a lot of us in the midst of this pandemic, some of those weaknesses have been brought to the surface. And Paul's going, I want to talk to you about these weaknesses. I want to talk to you how God has addressed me in these weaknesses. I want to talk to you about what he calls a thorn in his side and how hard it is and how much he's begging God to take it from him. But the God still speaks to him. So that's, so that's what we're going to spend some time in this morning, all right? So we're going to go to 2 Corinthians. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 12. So if you've got your Bibles here and some of you have been bringing your Bibles, just go to 2 Corinthians 12. I'm going to be reading from the Passion Version of the Bible, okay? It's, it says this, the, the, the extraordinary level of the revelations I've received is no reason for anyone to exalt me. So he's saying this. He's saying, he's saying right off the bat, he's going, look, God has given me some great revelation. God has given me some great vision. God's given me some great words to say. I'm going from place to place to the most powerful people in these cities. And I'm speaking of truth of who God is. And, and, and it's been unbelievable being able to do that. But don't exalt me in that. Don't look at me and say, wow, look at Paul. Paul is so awesome. I look at this passage and I think, I hope every pastor in America, including me, looks at this and says, man, it is not about exalting whoever is up in front because we have good news to share about who Jesus Christ is. If it ends up being about praising this person, this man or woman that's up in front, then, then the person up in front has missed the mark because what we're trying to preach is, the, is who you should be exalting. And so he's saying, don't exalt me about this. And he says, and this is why, in his situation, this is why a thorn in my flesh was given to me. The adversary's messenger sent to harass me to keep me from becoming arrogant. He's saying, a thorn is in my side. And if you literally look at that word thorn, that thorn actually means a stake. I mean, you think about it. Some of us get a sliver in our hands or we get a sliver in our finger. And when you get that sliver, I got one just a couple of weeks ago. And for about three days, I'm trying to get that sliver out. It is so nagging. It hurts when I close my hand. It, I've got the little needle. I put it under a match because my mom always told me to put a needle under a match before you pry at your hand. So I'm prying at my hand, trying to dig it out. I can't see a thing because I'm 51 now and I don't have my readers on. So I'm jabbing at my palm and I'm trying to get this, this thing out and it won't come out. And so now it's just this aggravating, frustrating pain that I've got that it just won't go away. Paul's going, that's nothing. I'm talking about a thorn that is, that is a stake in my side. I'm talking about the things that will keep you up at night. I'm talking about the pain uh, that, that, could, that could be physical, could be relational, could be emotional, could be, could be spiritual. I'm talking about those things that draw you to feeling very weak. See, with Paul, we don't know if it was physical. Some theologians say, yes, it was physical. He had epilepsy or he had eye problems or he had foot problems. And that's what he's talking about. Why do I have these problems? I could be so much better off without them. It could, be something, uh, it could be something relational or it could be something emotional. It could be a loneliness that he has out on the road. It could be spiritual. Maurice is going to talk next week about Romans 7, Romans and Romans 7, where he says, man, I, I, I know the things I'm supposed to do. I know the things I'm not supposed to do. Why do we do the things I'm not supposed to do and not do the things I'm supposed to do? And it, so it could be that. It could be his doubt. 
and going, God, why does this doubt dog me in the place that I'm in? I mean, shoot, you guys, in Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians, the first letter he writes to those people in Corinth, he says to them all, he says, man, I came to you with fear and trembling and not with wise and persuasive words. And so he might be saying, the thorn in my side is, God, you called me to do this, and I get scared to death of it every time I speak. I get nervous about it. I get scared about it. Why would you have me in this position to do this if this is the weakness that you've given me, if this is the weakness that I have? That's a thorn in my side. You guys, I relate to that. If you've been around for the seven years that I've been here, here's one thing you've never seen from me. You've never seen me hold a piece of paper by my, just right like this. You've never seen this. You know why? Because I have a little bit of a tremor. I've had it for most of my life, and, and it shakes the corner of the page. And it makes me feel weaker because I feel like now people are looking at me going, um, what, is that guy scared today? What's, what's he going to say that so, he's so afraid of? And so I never hold a piece of paper on its own in front of a group. I don't, I, I don't think I've ever once shared that in front of group people. So it's my turn to share my weaknesses. But uh, you, you, Paul might be saying, man, why? why? Why is this a weakness in my life? Every one of us have it. The things that are keeping you up at night. The things that, you're, that, you're, that you might be tearful about, the things you've been waiting on forever, the things you've been waiting for God to take away. It could be physical pain. It could be a diagnosis that you're going, God, I need a miracle, and you're waiting for it. it could, there, there's so many places that you're sitting there going, oh, if this could only change, and it, and it brings you to a sense and a feeling of weakness. Well, what Paul says here is he says, he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to relieve me of this. I pleaded with the Lord. Now, you guys, don't. Here's some advice on reading the Bible. Don't fly through a passage like that. When he says, when he says that, I pleaded with the Lord to relieve me of this, don't read that and just go, Paul said, God, take this from me. God, take this from me. God, take this from me. I did it three times, God, and you didn't take it. Come on. This is real. This is, G this is Paul being real. This is Paul going, man, I pleaded with God. And this might have been seasons. He might have gone a couple of months of praying and fasting and pleading with God, take this from me. And it didn't happen. And then he went another year or two and then pleaded with God, come on, God, I need this change or I need you to show me what's going on. I don't understand this and nothing. And, and another couple of years might have passed and he pleaded with God again. And he's coming back to him saying, I've gone three times I asked for you to take this from me and you haven't. And that's what he's saying there. He's saying, three times I've pleaded. Come on, you guys. We know what that's like when something lingers. Physical, emotional, spiritual, something lingers. And you're pleading with God to take it. Now, God's response, you guys, God's response, while we are so convinced if, we, if you answer that prayer, I'm way better off. I know it. I'm better. It's, it's going to be better. I'm going to be stronger. God answers that prayer differently than what Paul was wanting. He says this. He answered me, and I listened to the tender words of a good, good father. He said, my grace is always more than enough for you. And my power finds its full expression through your weakness. My grace is always more than enough for you, and my power finds its full expression through your weakness. See, what he's saying is these things, 
these thorns that lead us to weakness, that make us feel depleted, he's saying, my grace is sufficient to fill you back up. My grace is sufficient to say, it's going to, it, this is going to bring you back up. Now, it's weird that he uses the word grace. Why doesn't he just use my, the promises of God? Or why doesn't he use God's presence? Well, think about a, a simple definition of grace. Grace is where his endless love meets our humanity. Where God's endless love meets our weakness, meets our thorns, meets our humanity. That's God's grace. We're going we're gonna to be celebrating that in a couple of weeks because where his endless love meets our humanity is, never, is not seen any stronger than on the cross. But in this moment, he's saying, my grace is sufficient for you. Listen to how he describes this in Romans. You can flip over to Romans chapter 8 if you want to. Romans 8.35. Listen to how he describes this. He said, who could ever divorce us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one. For nothing in this universe, no thorns, no weaknesses, nothing in this universe has the power to diminish his love towards us. Troubles, pressures, and problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. And, and then he concludes from that and he says, because of that, this endless love, it makes us more than conquerors. Wait, but I'm weak. And he's saying, and because of my grace, you can become more than conquerors. And that's when we flip it back to 2 Corinthians and it says, my power finds its full expression through your weakness. In the middle of all that stuff, my power finds its full expression. Now, you might be going, what? Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you saying that God might even be more evident in our lives in the very things that we're begging him to take from us? He's more evident in those things that are keeping me up at night, the things that I'm crying over, the things that I am, I am pleading with God about. He's, he's more evident in the midst of those things, even if they aren't taken from us, even if that isn't wiped out, he's still more evident in that when we're begging him to take that loneliness and to take that fear and to take that pain and the unknown and the confusion and the aimlessness and every bit of weakness that we feel, God might be more evident within those things. And Paul's saying, yeah, because he knows. He knows the road without those weaknesses is a road of self-dependence. It's a road of self-reliance. It's a road that can lead to us being conceited or arrogant, but it's a road that will make us say, I don't need God. It's a road that says, I'll rely on my talent and I'll rely on my fame and I'll rely on my money and my power and my intelligence and my experience and the successes that I've had, my body, my looks, my personality. But here's the deal. He knows that the thorns interrupt any one of those things. And when we start to feel the weakness and we've relied on all that stuff, we don't know what to do. He knows the road that said that where we say, I've got this. I've got this. It's a road where we don't need anybody. It's a road that you don't need accountability, that you don't need, it's a road that you don't need God. It's a road that buries the thorns. 
It's the road that you ignore the weaknesses and you fear the weaknesses and it has destruction around the corner because Paul knows we can and more than likely will lose some of those things that we're relying so heavily on throughout our life. And we will feel weak. He's looking at us and he's going, we take this stance that says, I've got it. I've got it. We grit our teeth. We say, I, and, and, and we tell God, God, give it back to me because I've got it. I've got it. And from this position of strength, God is, it's, it's driving us down. The, the weakness drives us down it, it's, and, and we're driving further down. And we get to the point that we're down here and we're saying to God, now what do I do? And God is saying, yes, right there. He's saying, from right here, in your helplessness, my grace is sufficient. He's saying, in this helplessness right here, my power is made perfect from this place of weakness. He's saying, from this place, you feel weak, but I can make you strong but we got to get here. I, Jim and I saw this throughout these seven years of, of Ascent Church. We've seen this. Jim is the, is, is, was my co-pastor. He helped me found, this church, found the church. And he just, for you guys that are just, just coming just in the last couple of months, he has just, just recently left the church. He just left the church. He, had recently, he recently took on a new job. And uh, he's still with us and everything, but he took on a new job. And so, but Jim and I have seen this from the very beginning of Ascent, because when Jim and I started seven years ago, we stood there and said, we've got this. We had been doing ministry for 20 years before that. We had seen all the good and the bad in church. We had seen the thing. We wanted to do all the good things. We wanted to eliminate all the bad things. The two of us had a lot of worldly success in ministry. We saw our ministries grow a lot. And, and, and it was really, it was, it was fun days of doing ministry those years. And so we got together and we said, we've got this. Let's take all that we've learned. and Let's, turn, let's make it into a church. This will be great. And it didn't take it didn't, take three, it didn't take two weeks before we started to feel, oh, we don't fully got this. And then and it, was like, and it was like two more weeks and we're going, oh, we don't got this at all. And, and in about two months, when realizing every bit of dollars that needed to come in, we had no control over, finding a place we had no control over, finding the right people to do the right things around here we had no control over. We're trying to figure out the worship stuff. and We we're, we're, had no control over any of it. And it drove us right back down. I'd get back down on my knees, but my knees are killing me from what I just did right there. So I won't get down there. But it drove us down to our knees. And from there, we're going, we're weak, but God's making us strong. And we started to see the Lord at work that was far beyond what me or Jim had any capability of doing. It was, there was no better illustration of this than our signs on our building. See, so you guys are going, what signs on the building? We once had signs. Let me tell you what happened here. So, so we got into this building here at Ascent. 
here, here in this old Sam's Club, and we finally said, let's just put some signs on the wall so that people would know that we're here. And so we did this. Check this out. We put that Ascent Community Church signs. We went to this, this local company. They made us these signs. Those things are huge, you guys. They get swallowed up on there. But they made it. We got these signs. We got up on the cherry pickers. We put them all up. And Jim and I stood out in the middle of the parking lot looking at those signs on there, and we were bawling. We were crying in the parking lot going, we got signs, we got them, and now people will come. We did the research on how many cars drive past McCaslin on a given day. 10,000 cars going down McCaslin in a day. Oh my gosh, people will see this sign and they'll start coming to Ascent. We got signs. About six, seven weeks later, a local businessman was really upset that we had signs on this building. And he says, I don't even think you're allowed to have a church in that old Sam's Club. And he challenged us on it. And in the end, we knew that we were right, that we could be here. But he said, I'm going to pony up some lawyers and we're going to kick you guys out of that place. And we had no cash to pony up lawyers to fight him on it. And we said, well, what if we take our signs down? We ignore that we're here. Yeah, that's fine. So we took the signs down. Seven weeks later, take the signs down. They're all going back down. We're in the middle of the parking lot crying. There goes our signs, you know. And we're saying to ourselves, what are we going to do as a church? No one's going to know that we're here. You just weakened us today. We are weaker today because the signs have come down. And it dropped us to our knees. And in that moment, God is looking at us going, no, this is where, this is where I'm, you're, you're going to find that it's, I'm, you're going to be stronger. And what we found was the signs were you guys. You guys were our signs. Because you started sharing with other folks that the Holy Spirit was at work in this place. And that you'd come here and you're going to get to experience God at work. And that you were our signs by extending no strings attached generosity to our community. And that became the signs. And it had nothing to do with something on the side of our wall. But we were convinced that that's what we needed. And we were convinced that we were weaker without it. And now, seven years later, we're, later, we're looking at it. We're going, maybe we don't ever need signs. But that's not exactly true because the people from Safeway, every day someone comes here and walks in our door and says, is this Safeway? And we tell them, no, it's right next door. So we're going to need the signs. So we'll eventually have the signs back for those people that get us confused with Safeway. But do we need them? And God's showing us, drop to your knees and recognize that in your weakness, you're going to be made strong. And seven years later, here I am. And Jim announces that he's, he's taken off and, and I'm here. And the very first thing I wanted to do with all of you guys is I wanted to raise my hands with each of you and say, you guys, I want you to have confidence. Trust me, I've got this. Don't worry, I've got this. I know we lose a great leader in Jim. I know that it makes us feel weaker, but I want to tell you all, I've got this. People have asked me how these last three or four months have gone, and I've told them, you, hear, you know how it's gone? I've gone from here to my knees. And I'm going, you know what? God's got this. And from my knees in these last four months, I can honestly say to you guys that I believe that God has, is breathing a strength into this church that I have never seen in this church. I am more convinced. In, in, I've done ministry for 27 years now. I've never been clearer on seeing the Holy Spirit at work than he is right now in this church. God is at work. 
And while we look at it as weakness, we've lost staff, we've lost the ability to have trikes riding around in here and kids running around and coffee and donuts and all of it that we had that was part of the beauty of what we're doing in Ascent, and we look at it as weakness, God's going, no, I'm breathing strength and it's going to be different. And people are going to be raising up into, in, in, and stepping into places that I'm going, I didn't even know who you were. Stepping into it because God is at work meeting us in that place. And I believe that's the same message for you and, you and I individually as well. That while we are convinced that I am weaker, maybe that's exactly where we need to be because God's going, that's where I'm going to breathe strength into you. One of the dumbest scenes in any movie of all time, 1996. You guys that are younger, you, have, you, you, you might know it. You guys that are older, you know this. Tom Cruise knocks on the door. And he's been sweating and he comes knocking on the door. And, and, and on the inside is this book club of women. And a woman opens the door and he comes walking in. And he sees Renee Zellweger on the other side. And he looks across there and he goes, you complete me. And Renee Zellweger on the other side says, shut up. You had me a hello. You know, and it's that stupid scene. <laughs> that you all loved. You know you did. And for the next 10 years of doing college ministry, I had to counsel every girl that came into my office looking for the guy that was going to complete her. And I had to say, that's not what you should be looking for. A guy is not going to complete you. I had to do that with all these students that would come into my office. But the reality is, as dumb as we might think it is, it's what we think. This is going to complete me. That relationship will complete me. It's going to save me from my loneliness. If I only had that, that job's going to complete me. That information is going to complete me. I want to know why, and as soon as I get it, that will be it. The success, whatever it is, we look at it and say, the healing, that, that will complete me. That will be it. And Jesus is saying, no. All of those things, you might not get it. You might, but you might not. And in that, I'm meeting you. And my grace will be sufficient. And my power will be made perfect in that. And this is why Paul gets to conclude. It's why he concludes. What does he conclude? He concludes this. So I will celebrate my weakness for when I'm weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. I will not be defeated in my weakness, but delighted. For when I feel my weakness and endure in mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecutions because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger for my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. How weird is that? My weakness becomes a portal to God's power. Now, don't get him wrong when he says he delights in it. It's not like he's jumping up and down cheering for the things that he is crying over. As he is, in, as he is crying over it, begging God to take it from him. He's not jumping up and down cheering in delight. That word delight literally translated is, is content. And he's saying, this is why I can be content. Content in the hardship, content in the persecution, content in the disappointment. It's why I can be content because even while I still long for that, God will meet me. 
I had a really good friend that was the bridesmaid for a lot of weddings. And through all of her singleness, she kept saying, I just want to express my contentment in my singleness because I know that he meets me. I'm still praying and begging that I would find a person, but he's meeting me there. You guys, this is why a good friend of mine that recently lost his wife that is now going through an extreme amount of loneliness. And he shares with me that that walking into his house every day without her in there, it's empty. He's alone. And he's weak. And he recognizes that weakness. But it's why in that moment, there is a promise for him. A promise that says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is, make, is being made perfect in your weakness. And when you are weak, you are made something that's not even close to your radar in the heart of the weakness. You're made strong. It's why a good friend of mine that is recently going through a divorce and in this divorce, she is, she is looking at life right now and saying, I am confused. I don't know what's next. This wasn't the story that I wanted written. Where do I go? Do I go to online dating sites? Is my heart even ready for that? I feel so weak in this. That's why there's a promise for her. A promise that says, my grace is sufficient for you. And my power is made perfect in this. And though you are weak, you'll be made strong. We can apply that to any one of the things that we're begging God to change. My, my good friend that, that, that passed away, she said in the very end, as she was struggling with cancer, she said, I felt closer to God than I'd ever felt. She was as weak as she couldn't even go up the stairs. But she said, man, it's so intimate with the Lord right now. In her weakness, she would probably have said that those were the moments that she was the strongest she had ever been in her faith. Because God met her there. It's a promise for every one of us. And for some reason, we let sit there and we don't claim it. All of us, every one of us with our weaknesses. You guys, we have a, an interview. The interview is a, to have a perfect relationship with our Father. And God is saying to us, Jesus is saying to us right now, he's saying, you've already gotten the job. That relationship is already happening. So you can be honest with me about your weakness. You don't have to show some different thing about you. Just, you can be honest with me about your weakness. And guess what? I'll meet you there. My endless love, it'll be, it'll be sufficient for you. It'll be a portal to my power. And when you're weak, 
If you're writing any notes, if you got your Bible out, write this in the margin. S-T-R-O-N-G. That word is a promise for you in the heart of your weakness. I believe that that's what the Lord is saying to us as a church right now. And I believe he's saying that to you and me right now. Father, I pray that in the, in the middle of, of all of this that, that we each face, in, in the middle of those nights, those real nights of begging you, Lord, begging you to take this from me, in those nights of, of begging that you would give me what I need or what I want, and there's some real things that people are pressing in with you, begging you, wanting that answer, wanting that outcome. I pray, Lord, in the midst of, of the honesty of those requests that you ask us to bring to you, that we would, you would help us to remember that even in the middle of it, as weak as we feel, that we're made strong. Your endless love is sufficient. Your grace is sufficient. And Lord, I pray that that will lift us up in power and in strength. I pray that for our church right now, Lord, as we see parts of our church that we feel weakened in. I pray that you'd meet us in that moment as a church. And I know that you do. And you give us a promise there. And I pray that we would claim that promise and claim that power and that we would, we, we would rise in strength. And it's only because of your love and presence that we could. I pray that for our church. I pray that for each one of us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. 